0: Welcome back, Turnkey family. This is the Turnkey Brothers podcast brought to you by Boise Turnkey. And on today's episode, we've got Van from SRA 831B Admin with you here today to talk about just some mind-blowing stuff. So the tax code incentivizes people to spend their money. And he has found the 831B specifically that incentivizes people to save. And I'm not even going to give you an introduction because what he has to tell you guys today is going to blow your mind just like it blew mine.
1: This is episode 17, and you've got to stay till the end, where Brie, fly on the wall, absolutely outs Van's dirtiest secret.
0: Welcome back. Today we have Van and Bree, and Van is doing something very special right now. I am a huge proponent of the tax code. I believe that the tax code was written to incentivize people to make things happen for our economy, to grow our economy, boost our economy. I think it's something that the government saw back in the 50s or even before, that Hey, instead of telling people what to do, we can incentivize them on what to do. And that's how roads get built. That's how, like, if you want to grow your, your population, you give tax credits to, for people that have more kids, right? It's it's can be that simple. And for that reason, we're very thankful to have you on the show today to talk about your specific niche in the tax code. So Van, if you would just bring us up to speed a little bit for our listeners, uh, where you came from and how you got here.
2: Yeah. So I grew up in Fruitland, Idaho. So, yeah, not too far from here but yeah i was grew up on a farm and, and my dad my dad always owned his own businesses, so I always aspired to try to own my own business and fortunately enough i got got into the insurance business and formed a property and casualty agency in in Meridian in the 1990s when there was only like twenty three thousand people living in Meridian and my agency grew, got big, and you know very very successful life was great raised my kids, I was able to coach, had plenty of free time and, Things were fantastic. Oh, 08 comes around and, you know, you know when you start a business, any business, you own all the hats, right? And as things go on, you get the hats away. Well, I was fortunate enough to, the one hat I wanted to keep was helping business owners manage their risk. And uh, that's what I did. And, uh, you know, these are pillars of the community. These are people that are donate to the high schools. I mean, they run a small business. They treat their employees very well and all those things. And then here comes 08 along where, you know, you saw the Great Recession and you saw these same people, unfortunately, going out of business because, you know, they just leveraged everything. They, that's what they knew, right? I mean, they just go buy more stuff. Their CPAs, they were you know, they grew up with the CPA. They started at $100,000 a year revenue. Now they're running a $5 million business. And, and they saw the same single CPA practitioner, right? I mean, very limited in scope of what they can do for the clients and all that stuff, right? I mean, we can talk about that another time. Can CPAs really help you out as a business owner? I, I, I think that we call them compliance public accountants. They're more compliant about tax code than they are mm-hmm. about really tax planning for their business owners. That's, that's probably one of, the, one of the, and I'm not going to go off this tangent too much, but it's really the one of the misleading things that business owners don't even understand is that their CPA is really in a bind whether or not they can really do tax planning for them or not. They just want to make sure the tax return is correct. Yeah. Funny, preparing.
1: Yeah. Funny enough, we actually had a CPA, a good friend of ours, and he was on the podcast and he said almost the same thing. That's why he practices more like a CFO
2: of yeah. all these companies than really being a, a CPA for you. And I think that's one of the things that if you, once you start getting the revenues up, mm-hmm. you really got to start looking at even, I've got a part time CFO and he's hugely advantageable. The, the advantages he brings to us and amount of knowledge and wealth, I don't justify a full time one. Mm-hmm. But, man, it's it's a game changer for us. And so that's that's a big recommendation I make for a lot of business owners. Anyway, so, you know, that's that, – but when you look at the back at the 08 when the Great Depre- great Recession – I called the Great Depression. Let's not do that. Let's not go there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's still to come, huh? Who knows? Yeah. But canceled. <laughs> 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 anyway, but, you know, there's this to be a smarter, better way. And I did see a business owner that had these, these plans. And, man, I thought this is a game changer. This guy is the guy showing up at the auctions to buy his competitors out. This was what smart money does, mm-hmm. right? It's not you know, you're not buying into the stock market when it's all-time high. You're not buying real estate when it's an all-time high, right? But to be able to sit back and tuck away and still have the advantages of it as if you spent it, man, it's huge. And that's really where the code originally originated. I was on the 1986 Tax Reform Act. So we're an 831B administrator. A lot of people don't know about the code. It's very similar to the 401K. There's rules and regulations to it. But there's only two tax codes that allow business owners to take deductions and expense it. And one is a 401K. Everyone that's, knows that. Yeah, and that's for your retirement and for your employee's retirement, right? An 831B is, a ri- is for a risk that you cannot transfer traditionally through your insurance carriers. So this is risk you're retaining, mm-hmm. that you can't transfer. So back in 1986, what was happening back then, farmers were, crop insurance was going away. So the private sector, insurance carriers, were getting out of the pr- crop insurance, said, hey, we, we went out. And Congress said, hey, you know what? we got to create an incentive here, to your point about the incentives, mm-hmm. to own some kind of form of your own insurance company. And, and then that's where the 831B came up. So keep in mind, too, you guys, that companies like, good example here in town, Micron. Mm-hmm. Who's selling Micron product liability on their chips? Nobody is. They're right. self-insuring all that. Mm-hmm. So these guys all own their own insurance. These big companies have been owning their own insurance companies for hundreds of, well, Tens decades of years. I mean, right? Microsoft, any airlines, they all own their own insurance companies. They have to. Now they're able to expense all those out, right? Out of their operating company. And now they're able to dump it into these insurance companies. And that's a whole nother risk profile, Fortune 500 companies that go on in the back room that you as a consumer don't know about, right? I mean, it's just, it's big, big business, big, big money, right? Mm -hmm. The code though, was written for the small business owners in 1986. It says, Hey, these are farmers. Yeah. They're self-insuring crop insurance. We got to create an incentive for them. So if they're profitable, they can take some of that profit and tuck it away and put it into the plan. And that's the incentive. At that point, it was $1.2 million a year you can do. Mm-hmm. This year's $2.6 million. Inflation. Yeah. There's an inflation rider and the PATH Act made some changes in 2017 to it. They upped it up. Okay. So you got to also know, too, both sides of the aisle's a proponent of this tax code. The biggest adopter of this code, though, was Fortune 500 companies. Right, guys that had tax, true tax planners, had a lot of attorneys. They understand mm-hmm. the code. Yeah, it was, Deloitte was their CPA firm, which has three times more employees than the IRS does. You know, so these guys adopted it very quickly, right? But again, going back to the small practitioners, they, they're still trying to figure out if entertainment's still deductible or not, right, from the 2017 Tax Reform Act. So, you know, do they really have time to understand all these codes? And that's part of our job. And that's and why we love getting on the platform such as your guys' is just bringing the education level up,
1: right? No, absolutely. Yeah. And,
2: and really making the business owners aware that there's a better, if, if you're losing sleep because you can't, because you're self-insuring kind of, good example, supply chain risk.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: There's no insurance policy you can buy, buy for supply chain risk, right? So I'm a, a distributor. I got to deliver a product to my clients. I got to buy it at X and mm-hmm. I got to sell it for Y. And somewhere in the middle there, I got a margin, Right. Well, if all of a sudden X has to go up in price, or I can't get X anymore, or if I have to pivot to go to another country to get it, right? I can't charge I can't charge more money back to my in 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 retailer, right? Because mm-hmm. he he agreed upon my price, so that's a big that's a big risk I take, right? So supply chain risk is good. That's just one quick example of I'm self-insuring a lot of my own risk already. I can't transfer it. I can I can insure my building, mm-hmm. I can insure my commercial vehicles. I can sure- for- work comp, I can mm-hmm. do health insurance, I can do all that stuff, because why it's a tangible asset, right? It's something that you can smell, taste, and feel. Banks will happy to loan on it. Banks will not loan on intangible assets, which most small businesses value the most. Brand protection, mm-hmm. contracts, intellectual property. Where you sit in the community, right? Those are things that are business owners when they go to sell it someday if you can buy find a buyer for your business, small business, that's that's what you're selling. You're not selling your vehicles, you're not selling, you're selling the fact that you have revenue and it's kicking off revenue and it's gonna be there when I'm gone. That's what you're selling. But all that revenue is tied to intangible assets. And that's where we come in and make sure that business owners understand hey, you're taking a lot of risk yourself, that you've been incentivized on this to do this code. And believe me, guys, we got a lot of roadblocks in the middle of all that, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we got to have to deal with CPAs, the knowledge. And this code's been abused. I mean, no shocker, right? right. Like everything else. Exactly. 401ks have been abused. Mm-hmm. I mean, back in the early 80s, if you were doing a 401k, you guaranteed yourself a not because the ERISA rules weren't in place yet. Discrimination was still going on. Mm-hmm. Contribution limits weren't put in place yet. I mean, there was a ton of things going on in there. Why? Because it was new. You know, the challenges we have is this code's been around for almost 40 years. One of the things I should mention too is warranties. I think warranty is a big aspect of it because a lot of businesses today feel like they have to do, in order to compete, you got to really stand by what you sell and what you do, right? Yeah. So that really is an unfunded liability on a lot of books today. And that's something we look at too, right? So when we sit down with construction defect, for example, on general contractors, in Idaho, it's 10 years on construction defect. You're on the hook for that for 10 years subcontractor default. Most of these guys have a one-year, two-year warranty when they go build your house, your building, whatever. Well, if that subcontractor goes out of business and now you got to go do the tile work because the tile wasn't done correctly or the flashing on the roof wasn't done correctly, you as a general contractor has now got to go hire another subcontractor to fix that because that's the one that's not around. So there's just, there's just a ton of those types of things that we go out and identify with business owners. And we work with all types of different industries, right? So... Mm-hmm. But it it is one of those things. that's a challenge for us because it's it's it's, it's been one of those things that's been hijacked, yeah, by estate tax attorneys. Truthfully, the IRS likes to hold their head, you know, like, hey, we've taken on four cases, we won four cases, mm-hmm. but they were all related to estate tax planning, not risk management. And I should also mention, we are risk managers. We're not attorneys, and we're not CPAs. We hired those people. Got it.
1: Can I pause and, and yeah. go
2: back to like the supply chain issue
1: and then make it a little bit more relatable just to regurgitate this and make sure I have an understanding? So if you have a flipper that maybe it's just mom and pop, mm-hmm. they they family flippers and whatnot, they do a flip, they're successful, they put their money into the next deal, and they have extra revenue that they have to put somewhere. They can put it aside for like a supply chain issue because I have a lot of friends that were underwater because of their holding times got yep. extended almost double what they were planning for with the supply chain issues so this could sit in an account that's growing for them that's not tax or it's pre-taxed and then they could draw off of that if they can't get their their supplies in time to rebuild in a the time that they were anticipating yes so we it's part, amazing.
2: part of the administrator part of our job as administrator make sure sure something like that that would be a, that would be considered a claim mm-hmm. is valid so Good example on that is is like if the market tanked right, and now they lost money because the market tanked, that's business risk. Mm-hmm. But if it's because they got delayed because they couldn't get the framing, they couldn't get the materials or whatever, and it was beyond their control, that's absolutely an insurable risk,
0: and that allows them to draw from their their fund, yes, okay, so. Let's talk about this fund then because you gave a lot of great examples and how to use it. Can you talk more about the fund? Let's say I'm a company that is putting away money into this 831B. What
2: what does that holding look like? Yeah. So, you know, not to get too geeked out, you know, there's a terms in the insurance world that says res- reserves and surplus. So insurance companies live and breathe to collect premiums, pay the ongoing claims, and at the end of the year they call it underwriting profit. That's surplus, and then they throw it into their treasure troves of Billions of dollars, mm-hmm. and they go buy the buildings, or they loan the money. I mean, they're one of the biggest lenders of, of money in our country, really, for like big projects. Zion's Bank was the Zion's Building was bar, that money was borrowed by an insurance company. They loaned that the insurance company loaned that money. So that's what you end up doing, right? So now, now you have this thing. So it's, you get to operate like insurance companies do, right? So loans, investments, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, reserves have to stay liquid meaning that they can't go into an ill illiquid, illiquid investments like a REIT or something like that, where it's you, know, you have to sell something on a secondary market. But if you're in stocks, bonds and mutual funds and, and all that good stuff, that's not a problem. That's a reserve. That's money at risk for any given year during that period that the policies are in force. Now, these are one-year policies that we issue, right? So once the policies expire, that, the underwriting profit becomes realized, that's surplus. Now that gets to be used for other areas. So in our investment agreements we have as an administrator, there's there's rules of engagement. And that's and we educate the clients, a lot of the financial advisors. We get a lot of referrals from financial advisors. We get a lot of referrals from CPAs. I mean, our our biggest referral source, I mean, I kind of talk about about, them, but they're still our biggest resource is CPAs. They get it. The guys that are actual tax planners, right? Not yeah, it makes compliance. them look good.
0: Like when yeah, they have a client and they say, Hey, we can stash your money away over here too yeah. for that rainy day. Absolutely. Look you, you know the
2: biggest thing is, and hey, we're we're trying to move this conversation in a way where a normal CPA, you go to any CPA you want to go to today, he's going to ask first thing he's going to do is, "Aren't you doing four hundred one k?" Has no problem referring a four hundred one k to you, mm-hmm. you know, but he just doesn't understand the 831 b. And yeah. part of our job is part of our job as a company, and again, like we like being on shows like this is just getting the education level out there because we believe this needs to become the next big normal business practice, and it's not because it's. COVID-19. I mean, do we really want to put $6 trillion out in the economy again? Right. You know, we talk about self-reliance. We talk about entrepreneurs. We talk Mm -hmm. about you're a bootstrapper. The next time this happens, are you going to rely on the government to keep your company going? Or do you want to do something on your own? You know, we all complain about paying taxes. But unfortunately, you know, they got to be paid because next time maybe we want PPP again. Or do you want to do it yourself? Right, and that's really where we're trying to drive home right now, and and we think we've got a good message on that, you guys. I mean, this is what it because here's the other problem: what is what is going to happen the next time? Yeah, What's the exactly. Plan?
1: That's what I was going to say. There's, there's no guarantee that the government will be able to bail us out. at Do that we want point. him to look? Yeah. Look that's at the domino effects yeah. that's
2: going on right now. Well, I know,
1: I know everybody in the room. What we think, but <laughs> even, even for those who maybe don't have the same mindset, and they were bailed out, and they don't see the repercussions just yet. Having the ability to take that in your own hands and not be reliant on the what-ifs, having control over the what-ifs, having agency over what your business will be able to do in any kind of adverse effect, I think that's powerful for anybody.
2: Yeah, I, I think it's got to be the way, it's got to be the next, it, it, it should be at least part of the solution. Mm-hmm. You know, it may not be all the solution, right, especially with startups and people right when they get hit and they, hey, I just opened up and this happened. But companies that have got some tenure to them. You know, they've made it through the five-year test. Yeah. You know, not to do something like this, I think is, well, I, I don't want to get so dramatic to say it's irresponsible. But sometimes when I look at the amount of employees you, you help support, the amount of revenue you bring, the tax base you are paying, you're still paying payroll tax, you're doing all the things. You know, why wouldn't you want to do this? At least look at it. And that's really the challenge we have, right? It's like business owners are so darn busy and they're just so, and, and it's like, guys, take, just take a step. I mean, I love the guys that always got their foot on the pedal and down yeah. to the floor, right? But at some point you got to come back a little bit and say, hey, what, you know, if I can do something different, if I can make it more palatable for me, to, to, to manage the risk more effectively. Mm-hmm. Uh, it yeah. Just as companies sort of, scale,
0: like there are certain milestones that they hit where they have to transform. They have to you, they realize they're making a certain amount of money and they have to do something with that if they want to keep growing their business And they right. want to be an effective member of their community and give back like most entrepreneurs do and
1: exactly. as they scale their risk also scales and yes. it transfers to their employees
2: exactly i mean mm-hmm. now you, you got responsibilities as an right. as an employer i mean you're making you're helping making house payments you're doing all those things i mean the employees they deserve all of it right i mean they're working for you but the reality is, is you got a big responsibility on your shoulders
1: mm-hmm.
2: and, and to mitigate that risk. So, so the survivability of your company on unforeseen risk, I mean, East Palestine. Yeah. How many businesses were forced to shut down that had no coverage for business interruption again? Right. We have it going on right now with a, a tire fire that's going on in the Midwest. Yeah, We're, my home
0: state in Indiana. <laughs> yeah, over 2,000
2: yep. people got evacuated from the town. Yep. All those little small businesses out there all have to shut down now. They have right. no revenue coming in. That doesn't mean the rent stops.
1: Mm-hmm. That
2: doesn't mean that employees are going to want to get paid. Loans are going to have to be met, you know. So these are things that this, I mean, guys, it's going on every day of our lives. In fact, it's more so than ever now. And and then you look at traditional insurances. We have a gentleman down in southern, southern Florida, huge Huge commercial portfolio, over like $175 million commercial portfolio. His company just got his policies just got renewed. They got renewed on ACV on roofs, which means actual cash value on the roofs of his commercial buildings. So the next time a hurricane hits, that roof depreciated down to what the actual value of the building was at the time it blew off the roof, not replacement. So, like, we live in Idaho where everything mm-hmm. we look at is replacement. You know why? we don't have catastrophic losses. Right. Right. So we don't have catastrophic losses. So we don't, we don't deal with this, but other parts of the country where things are being ACV'd on a roof, which means Mm -hmm. if you have a $50 million building, which in Miami area is not that hard to get there, you, you might have a roof on there. That's going to have to cost you, you, the roof blows off in a hurricane. You're actually, you might get a third of what it's going to cost you to rebuild that, put that roof back on that building. That's wild. So, so not only are we talking about ins- risk that's not insured that you can't transfer through normal means, which we've been kind of talking about with COVID and supply chain and all that. Traditional insurances are starting to tighten up, and the reason for that is is you as a consumer are only going to pay so much, right? At some point, you're like, "No mercy, man! I can't, I can't afford to do business anymore." And yeah. That's what really was happening in 1986. Rates were going up so high, like mechanic. I I know mechanic shops. I know guys that run mechanic shops today, their fathers had to shut down their mechanic practices back in the mid 80s because they simply could not afford the insurance anymore. Mm -hmm. And they were required to have insurance if they're going to rent that building from that landlord. Right. And they couldn't get insurance anymore. And they literally were forced to shut down.
0: I want to talk about the Miami roof real quick. Okay. Just to maybe simplify this a little more. And because I feel like I've got a good understanding. There's a great analogy. So I've got this $50 million building in Miami and it is insured. For actual cash value, like you said, so let's say the roof blows off. Like I may be getting paid out a third of what it costs, but then I've me as the company, or the company, I should say has to pay the other two thirds to get the new roof because it's today's market. It's today's prices costs, costs, everything goes up, right? Those are things out of my control. So essentially what this 831 B is, is my own personal insurance company that I have tucked money aside that is growing
2: while I put (laughs) money in it. Right. Yes.
0: So it's a, it, instead of keeping it at a bank, it's my it's my business insurance growing so that when stuff like this happens, that money that has grown can be po- placed into it.
2: And, and the reason why that's powerful is it's, would you rather do it with after-tax money or pre-tax money? Pre-tax money,
0: right? All day long. All day long. All day long. Right.
1: That's so the whole point of certain just, businesses, it right? Just,
2: it just gives you more, more ammo. It gives you more mm-hmm. rainy day fun. It gives mm-hmm. you all of those things. And here's what I say to people all the time. When... Doing this program just gives you a lot more options. And the more options you have, the better decisions you can make for your business. That's it. You know, it may make sense for him to say, you know what? I'm not going to rebuild that building. Just let it tear down. Maybe I'll get some tax write-offs. I mean, we don't know, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, but the options that are available, you know, I always compare it to like life insurance, right? If you're the breadwinner of your family, you don't have life insurance, you die unexpectedly. Your spouse has very limited limited options, right? Mm Mm-hmm. If you have life insurance, shit, you're just going to leave the people that you're still alive with better options to make, right? I mean, that's what – not that – I'm trying to make it as simple as I can here, right? right? But the reality is, though, is for your business, it's the same concept. I mean, it really is. I mean, you want to call a health savings account. You want to call it anything. It's a, the ability to build up a rainy day fund that you didn't know about before because, let's be honest, our code gives a plenty incentive to spend money. Right? Yes, doesn't give this is the only code i'm aware of Mm -hmm. that gives you incentive to save money
1: so i want to hit on the the pre and post tax just to break it down simply of like let's say you have a hundred dollars that you want to save you could put it in the stock market and that hundred dollars you were taxed on at that point so that hundred dollars is now going to be 75 or 56 or you know call 50 cents look 50 cents Okay, it'll be 50 cents. So that 50 cents is not going to grow as much as the $100 and compound as much. So right. you can t- p- take the same $100, shelter it through the 631B. 831. And eight, 831. Whoa. <laughs> I'm dyslexic with my words. <laughs> you can shelter it through the 831B, which is now the full $100. And that's going to compound way faster and further than the post-taxed money.
2: Exactly. And you got to be disciplined enough to save it. This is going to force <laughs> you to save it, right? Exactly. Yeah. So the other thing I think about, that, that's the power of the 401k, right? You know, if you got taxed on it. Now, sometimes you do the Roth 401k, which makes sense financially, but at some mm-hmm. point your, when your income gets high enough, you can't even qualify to do the Roth anymore, right? So now the full dollar is going in there pre-tax. Mm-hmm. Now down the road, it's going to be taxed, right? But to your point, you got a lot more juice for a lot more better returns.
1: Yeah. And you actually, know? I would love to compare this to the 401k, it it sounds like it's almost apples to oranges, but I was a, I was a stocks guy before this and I am, I've always been against the 401k yeah. because I can take my money and I can learn the market enough to put it in and I don't have to pay somebody whether or not he loses or makes my money. And then also I can invest my money the way that I want to today and and move that around as the market shifts where you put money in your 401k, and it's easy. It's the easy button for sure. But like I said, you have to pay somebody, whether or not they make you money or they lose you money, and you're gonna get that money out of the market after it's already been deflated because inflation happens. I,
2: I, I, I think 401k is good for the for at least there's something's being saved. Right? Yep. But yep. I'm with you on the four. I mean, <laughs> I think the 401k. You know, it's a hoodwink thing, right? I mean, and and you know, I always talk about stocks and bonds. You know, you you know, the day yeah. you need it, I hope to God it's the best price it's ever been. I mean, you, you, there's a lot of things to be said about mm-hmm. that stuff, right? I think the big thing that we always talk about is when it comes to regulations. Four hundred one k and eight thirty one b is very similar when it comes to regulations, right? And to your, it's a definitely an apple and a star fruit. I mean, it's mm-hmm. completely different what we're yeah. trying to accomplish. What we say is, without the eight thirty one b, the four hundred one k is at risk because. For business owners are funding 401ks because they're profitable, they mm-hmm. wouldn't be funny if they weren't, right? Yeah. Well, okay. With the 831B, it, it, it ensures, it, it it makes that profitability more likely because they plan for the future with pre-tax dollars. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it's been growing. Hopefully it's, you know, we like we let the financial advisors manage these reserves under the 831B. We're simply the administrator, right? We try to take ourselves out of the conflicts of interest and all that good stuff. There's rules and regulations to everything, and and I think that's where I want to make sure the 401k 401k is very regulated, heavily right. regulated, right? I mean, you know, yeah, 831b is as well. There's rules and regulations to it, mm-hmm. and again, that's part of our job. You know, one of the things that when we when I first started look at this, you know, 2008. I mean, I got into this because of the Great Recession, right? So you know, great time to start a business. <laughs> took about five years, and you know, it, it. You know, we've been very successful the last couple of years, obviously, but. Just because of what's gone on with COVID, but proof of concept.
1: Who would have thought? I just want to say that it seems like all of the benefits that a four hundred one k has, the eight thirty one b also has, because you can lend against it. It can be it yes. can be given to a financial advisor that can help that money grow, and it's not it's pre tax money. Well, it
0: it's sounds exactly like it's the right. same. One's for the a person, and the other one's for a business.
2: Yeah, the only the only the only difference is mm-hmm. it's a C corp so the shareholder right. down the road will pay capital gains or qualified dividends. So there's some rules that we have on distributions okay. for example that if they start to overfund, you know, relative to claims that's going on and all their stuff. And and believe me guys, there's some, you know, we don't need to get down in those weeds too much, but there's some rules to this thing. It's not just risk-free adventure thing here, but there's some there's some things that they that that we always make sure our clients are aware of. But the the point there is is they're able to utilize those monies, but when they take them out, they're at a far lower tax rate than ordinary it's, income is. Yeah, it's not so penalized that, that, as much. It's that's the big difference, right? right? That's the big cap, you know capital gains versus now. That's a ball that gets kicked around all the time. We don't mm-hmm. know if you know it's going to go up to the, you know, they want to ruin the real estate market. Just make capital gains the same as the income rates, right? Nobody will sell anything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so so who knows what that looks like? We hope our clients win on that. We don't know, mm-hmm. obviously, because again, it's moving target, but. You know, it's definitely one of those things that has an additional advantage to it, no yeah. doubt about it.
0: So I have two questions. So building this this 831B, in doing so, like you said, you'll get with a financial advisor, I, I assume, right? And that, they'll help you decide where you wanna distribute your money, whether it's money market accounts, treasuries, yeah. bonds, right? Yeah. Okay, And and you can decide? Kind of like a self-directed IRA. Yeah,
2: I mean, we work with a lot of financial advisors, and so we always, you know, the, to be honest with you, the clients, we are, our clients are fairly sophisticated, smart business people, guys that are not necessarily working in their business all the time, but are really thinkers, you know, on their business. <laughs> they're they're going to typically have their own financial advisors, and we don't want to disrupt that. Yep. So we always work with those clients and and their financial advisors. What's surprising to me a lot of times is these same people don't have financial advisors because they either were burnt in the past, or they just don't like it, or they don't like they want to be control, right? They're control freaks. That's why they're successful, mm-hmm. right? So you know we'll we'll help them along the way the best we can, but we expect money to make money, and so money just can't sit around. Although I'm always surprised every year that. We see some client that's got piled up a ton of money, sitting in some local bank in their area. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, you know, it's not, it's you're. These are okay. So people. this leads yeah. me into
0: my second question, and I and I love that you talked about that because they want to deploy that money, right? It's sitting in their bank account. They feel safer, less risk because it's there if they need to use it. So my question, this leads into my second question is, as these funds build because you're earning whatever your your rate is on that fund. Can you loan against that? Yes. Like, so for example, like you buy a house, you can take a HELOC out, a home equity line of credit on that asset. Is this 831B an asset that you then can loan against?
2: Yes, but only to the shareholders, the owners, arm link transactions, right? Yeah. So if it's, let's just say it's a husband and wife. They own a successful business. They own an 831B plan with us. And they've been doing our plan for like four or five years, whatever. And let's say there's a couple million bucks in there. They can absolutely borrow. They can borrow up to a percentage of it. And oh, the yeah. what's
1: the loan to value on that?
2: Typically, it's sixty-five percent of the surplus. Okay. And we have to have a performing note tied to it. Mm-hmm. So now this eight thirty-one B, it's an investment. Uh, you always you guys, banks deposits are liabilities, loans are assets, mm-hmm. right? So eight thirty-one B picks us up as an asset, a loan. Well, who better to loan to than the shareholder of the company? Guess who? If they default on, they right. default on themselves, right? But we have to make sure the notes are there, so we do all that stuff. We got guys that do lines of credit, right? Right. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, in the world we're in right now, good example. I mean, I own a couple of different businesses. But I mean, we're looking at commercial financing on commercial vehicles right now, eight percent. Yeah. Well, if I got money sitting around, I can't get a, I, I, I can get eight percent on my money, but I'm mm-hmm. taking a hell of a lot of risk to get there right now. Yeah. You know, where I'd rather just say, well, I'll just. Loan. I'll just loan it out of this entity and pay for this vehicle over here. Why do I want to give it to the bank right now at eight percent?
1: So, what are the rates typically?
2: AFR. So the the there's a safe harbor ruling by the IRS that if you're gonna have a if you're gonna loan money to other entities, which a lot of businesses loan money to other entities all the time, the least performing note you can say it's performing is using AFR rates, which is the Applicable federal rate that the banks give each other overnight, which mm-hmm. is the lowest interest rate you can find published. So the IRS publishes those rates every month. You can do afr rates dot you know, and you'll find it right now. Like what's April one's rates going to look like? Yeah. So that's what you would loan that out. So typically, it's going to be, it's going to be less than half of prime, typically. So those, those these are these are, and, and take guys, my money. <laughs> yeah. So so here's what's here's what's happening. This big companies. Uh, there's a reason why warren buffett owns a lot of insurance companies i mean i don't know if you guys know this or not warren buffett owns a lot of things but his driver yeah. was insurance mm-hmm. you know his driver his uh, opm other people's money right the exactly. guy's a master at it right yeah. i mean well, opm is a great example of other you know so he there's a again a lot of the advantages that come with this code is the planning the the thought that the thinking that how, how am i going to deploy the cash mm-hmm. what, what's The timing, nobody can sit there and time the market. Somebody can sit there and time the real estate markets, any of that kind of stuff. But you can certainly have a gut feeling for certain things, right? And just to be able to prepare for that, Mm -hmm. it gives you so much more advantages in the world. And that's really what big companies do. That's one of the things that drove me nuts back in 08 and 09. I'm like, you know, some of these big companies are making money. They don't don't care what the economy is doing. Who's getting most effectively hit by this? is small to middle market business owners. Yeah, exactly. You know, they don't have a fleet of tax attorneys telling them what to do and how to do it. Mm-hmm. In fact, most of those business owners avoid the taxes, They avoid talking to an attorney because they know they're going to get a bill. Uh huh. And the accountant they got is a high school buddy of theirs they grew up with that was great when I was a million-dollar company. Now I'm a 10... I, I'm blown away when I'm talking to companies that are doing 40 $50, 60000000 million a year in revenue. Mm-hmm. And they got a CPA firm that they started with that he's a one-practitioner guy and he's got two staff people, like in all reality yeah i and I don't blame the guy, mm-hmm. but is you really looking out for your tax? when are we going around and talking so and there's not one c p a that loses sleep because you're paying taxes they might lose sleep if you're not paying taxes, right you know is that really a partner yeah again I keep traveling back to this company yeah, your process yeah.
1: yeah your process has to or your processes have to grow with you and scale with you
2: and hey how you sometimes you just outgrow people. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And yeah. I want to talk to your tax code point specifically, because if you have the one guy who may have two staff members, I, I heard this a while ago, but if you were to sit down and read the tax code yourself, it would take you decades, if not oh. centuries to read all the tax code yourself. So to stay with the same person who only knows the tax code, the way they know the tax code and not like somebody else who specializes, like a surgeon on doing brain surgery, you're not going to scale your company and your risk no. accordingly.
1: Yeah. No. And, I have a burning question. So what happens if successful business, you know, you don't have to use this 831B. What happens if you go to sell the business? Does the 831B get sold with it or do you just pay capital gains? Great
2: question. So we see it played out a couple of different ways. Okay. The first one is it gets shut down. You, cl- you close the business. You, sh- you sell the business. You can wait a couple of years and then shut down the 831B, right? And then everything will come out at capital gains. Again, we hope our client won on that. Yeah. The other thing that we've seen that's really big is what real, what when you go to sell your business and you have have rep and warranty, one of the things that we've seen in the last couple of years with the amount of VC money that's been floating out there is transactional risk. So a lot of business owners either have to hold a note themselves on their blue sky, because yeah. banks aren't going to loan on it, or there's going to be, you promised them something that this is my rep and warranty in the community, it's going to drive revenue and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, right? So we see, we saw a high spike in lawsuits because of rep and warranty. So we actually specifically came out and and formed policies that we've identified on risk when you even sell your business. So if you had an 831B all along, and now you go to sell your business and you have to hold a note, or you promise them certain things, you know, contracts. Hey, this guy's gonna, you know, this guy's gonna continue doing business with you. He represents 50% of my business that I just sold. And and they're gonna de- either they're either gonna try to devalue you because of that, right? A good real estate agent's gonna say, Hey, you know, you got a bunch of warranties out here. We're gonna have to honor all those. We, you know, you you want five X, we got to go to four X because of that. And you can sit back and say, No, no, no. I'm gonna keep my eight thirty one B open. Mm-hmm. If you have claims, this is I'll put it in trust, whatever you need, portion of the funds. So if you have claims, we'll make good on it. Meanwhile, not only are you gonna sell me at my it's a that's a premium, yeah. Because now that's that that risk for the new owner is taken care of, right? Again, guys, these are just good business concepts, ideas. So you can warranty the deal. Oh yeah,
1: two years up to up to up two to years. Three, we do up, three years. It's statute up to of limitations. Three years
2: after you sell your business to somebody. Yeah, yeah. because you, you're going to hold. Well, the other one is is the note. you yeah. can actually t- track it to the mm-hmm. note. If you're going to have a say, hey, I'm going to have a five year, six year, eight year buyout,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and now I'm holding note. On that, we'd absolutely tell you to keep that 831B open. And I'll tell you why, because you got to bring legal action Mm -hmm. or you got to go take your business back, which is, which happens, you know, you're going to have to have startup cat. You're going to have to have, and this is, this is the bucket of money that's going to do it for you because why it's been deferred. It's not been taxed yet. You just have more of that money to do that. And, And again, that's just, it's just huge advantages. It's at certain times it's the difference between living and dying. Man, you're you're definitely
1: speaking to <laughs> preaching to the choir right now because I have a, a creative deal where I'll have a ten year note out for the seller's signature right now. And this is that's amazing. Especially for like if you're if I'm gonna wrap it or wholesale it, then I can keep this open as long as the term of the note and that's just extra security for everybody involved. Exactly. Exactly. I'm like my <laughs> mind is blown right now. I'm trying to like
2: digest all of this these these are risks you guys are already Mm. taking it's just like well how do we how do we make it more palatable right i mean how we take this because we're really not eliminating the risk right right we're just making it more more of the ability for you to fight or make the best decisions be able to be in a position yeah weather the storm yeah exactly because this is the only thing that
0: incentivizes easier to save yes because i give that example like well if i'm a business and i make a hundred grand a year or five fifty million a year i'm going to spend 50 million because mm-hmm. most of the tax code is incentivized for you to spend it. Yep. When people say that, you know, there's a lot of people that get mad. Well, you didn't pay any taxes this year. You're you're a millionaire yeah. entrepreneur or whatever. You didn't pay any taxes. Well, yes, but I they did it any because they're either. smart. But yeah. I didn't make any money either. And this is a platform. Well,
2: the, you're absolutely right, and it, it drives you nuts. But hey, it makes a great headline, right? So oh, but, not right. Yeah, <laughs> but but the reality is, you spun so much off in the economy. Yeah, you know, and your how, community community how many jobs did you create? Yes, how many services did you pay yeah, for? Yeah, yeah. How many other people's and, mortgages did you? And you're still making. You you're still paying payroll taxes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're still paying all these other. You're still paying gas taxes. You know, I mean, all this other stuff that goes into it. It's just that income side, right? And it, and to me, it's it's always been. You know, whoever CPA told me this a long time ago, and and you guys understand the rule book. You make the rules. We'll go play the game. Yeah, exactly. You know, you know don't bring don't. Don't break the rule, don't, you know, play the game right. But whoever knows the rule book the best mm-hmm. will always win. That's, 100%. That's my argument or my what my
1: response to people saying, "Oh, you didn't pay taxes." Well, I pay somebody to read the rule book for me, you know, yeah, so but that we can invest in the community. Yeah, it's the tax code is written, the the playbook is written for us not to pay taxes because we can do better with our money than what the government can do and they've proven that time and time again yeah, I, I, so and, don't be offended by me because i go and play by the rules and you just haven't even opened the book
2: yeah 100 percent.
1: and that's why they have
0: to pay taxes
1: because they well, haven't opened you, the book you said mm-hmm.
2: it you said it earlier i think it's you know they, they recognized and i thought about this too in the past it's like our code is designed the reason why we're so financially stronger than the rest of the world we can we can get into a conversation about capitalism. Forget all that. Yeah, I think it's the tax code because it has created more incentives. I, I always I always compare us to like water. Mm-hmm. You know, the American. I think there would still be plenty of people out there throwing tea in the Boston Harbor today, right? I mean, we just hate paying taxes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. but that has created so much wealth in this country, innovation, and everything mm-hmm. else. That, you know, you can't put, your, the problem is it's invisible, right? You can't put your finger on it. But I, I I absolutely believe that. And, and you know, when you write a code or you do something differently, you know, you might have planned it, you know, Congress might've got together, they wrote a thousand page bill and somewhere in the middle of all that, they missed something. Mm-hmm. For us, it was, what is an insurance company under yeah. the 831B? It says you can own an insurance company, but what is it? Mm-hmm. And that's really where the IRS says, hey, th- we think it's this. Right. The taxpayer's going to go, I think it's this. Mm-hmm. now when there's a you know we go to tax court now we've had multiple cases that where this code has been abused and again something ter- completely alternative and they were cherry-picked cases really bad facts and we don't need to go into detail we have some click we have case studies on it on our website mm-hmm. and all that good stuff to talk about but you know now they're holding a hat on to that but the reality is is you know this is a Legitimate code has been passed by Congress, created an incentive for you to own some kind of form of your own self-insuring risk. And would you, if you're already self-insuring this risk? Because here's here's the risk everybody takes. When it happens, I call it the double whammy. Let's let's talk about brand protection. Doctor, this has happened. Yeah, patient dies Mm -hmm. unexpectedly due to an infection. Da da da. Gets sued under his malpractice. Smaller. Community makes local news. Mm-hmm. People stop coming in the front door. Right. Turns out maybe person didn't do something they were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Person dies because of it. The doctor's blamed for it. Reputation risk, right? Yeah. So now you've got a contraction of income and expenses mm-hmm. are going up because now you got to go fight. Now you have the PR war. Mm-hmm. Right. You're gonna have to hire the white hats. You're gonna have to. You know how many reviews get going on your website the people weren't even patients of yours and now they're just all over the world they're hitting you with the reviews right yeah. you got to combat all that so now you got the double whammy going on mm-hmm. right where's that money going to come from you're going to run down to the bank and ask hey guys i need a bigger line of card. and yeah. and they're just and they're just hey we heard about you in the news yesterday i mean it's that, that kind of a thing today it's so quick yeah well and so fast to it
1: just bring it to home for us i mean matt you run a short-term management company so if we get a bad review because one of the guests was salty or a neighbor at the house that we own did something silly, then that bad review is going to carry with us and it'll affect our ability to pay our mortgage and to pay our cleaning gal and to pay utilities and whatnot. Yeah.
0: Well, especially when it's unwarranted. Yeah, especially right? when it's unwarranted. Like the doctor example, like mm-hmm. they get an infection and they didn't treat it right, yeah. but they're still going to blame the
2: doctor for it. Yeah. And they make local news because of it. Yep. And, and it takes years to get that back.
1: Yeah. And to go off of another point that Matt made about the you you have to make you have to spend all the money that you're making to as an entrepreneur, we kind of get in this entrepreneurial cycle where Mm -hmm. we keep spending to keep the money coming in. And there's no exit strategy besides getting successful enough where we can sell it off and then just live on a beach somewhere where this sounds like a exit strategy to me, where you can oh, get yeah. to the point where you're comfortable and have enough liability mitigation that is held in-house where you have complete control over, where you can say, okay, now the business can run itself and I can just focus on my you, passive income.
2: You know, Matthew, we've seen it in a couple of key employees. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, if they can't afford to buy my business, I'll sell it at a discounted value, hold a note, have them run it, Mm-hmm. But I know I got this nest egg sitting over here I didn't have before. To your point about doubling down all the time, yeah. it's what we know, right? I mean, grow, grow, grow. Well, in right. order to grow, you got to revenue, revenue, yeah. revenue. But right? you can't I mean, stop. You can't no, get off the merry-go-round no, because if you stop, it dies. And and somewhat,
1: or you of, start paying taxes. Yeah, and then it gets, <laughs> which is and, worse. Yeah,
2: and it gets crazy, right? I mean. Yeah. The, you just double down at some point, and at some point you're like, "Hey, man, I need to step off of this." You know, one of the things that when we talk about like who's our who's our typical client, and and I've said this for a long time now. It's like, you know, a, a married couple in their mid fifties, very successful, mm-hmm. blood, sweat, and tears into the business, did so well that Johnny went to college, sent all their kids to college, and someday, you know, like the old the way things used to be, where somebody was going to eventually take over the family business. Mm-hmm. And now they come back and they say, you know what, mom, dad, they're TikTok famous. Yeah, I don't want anything. Yeah, I don't want anything to do it. I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. They're gonna go do something else. And now mom and dad are sitting there, I literally looking up at the ceiling in their <laughs> bedroom at night, going, "What are we gonna do about our business? How who's gonna run this thing? Who's, <laughs> how are we gonna get out of here? How are we gonna enjoy our lives?" And yeah. this just gives them that ability to, to to give them another option on the table. Mm-hmm. It's they believe me, risk is not a problem. There's ton of risk they're already taking. Yeah. They're already doing. They either haven't experienced it yet or did it without really realizing it, right? They just took their operating cash flow and made good with it, right? Times were good, right? Mm-hmm. So they were able to afford that that bump along the road. But, you know, that that's another great point of our program. I mean, it's this long-term strategy, long-term planning that gives just business owners or risk-takers or entrepreneurs just better options.
0: I love that this is also like a premium option for that couple in their 50s looking to exit a premium option when they go to sell it for, oh, yeah. for somebody looking to buy the business, you yeah. know, and take it over. And let's right. say they want to hold the note, give it a discount and, and earn money at the same time. Like then that right note is strategy. that
1: note is secured, but by themselves.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. They don't have so much at risk, you mm-hmm. know, because they plan for the future.
0: And I got to say, well, I've, I've learned a lot today. I know we both have. Yeah. And learning more about tax code, I think is one of the most important things a lot of people can do especially as they grow and they mature their business. And you've just opened our eyes to something that I didn't even know about. And I really appreciate that because it's so powerful. So as we, as we exit out of here today, we we do have a question and that's what's one actual item that an entrepreneur or somebody listening that they can take today, that's going to further get them further to their goals tomorrow.
2: You know, I, I think you can never stop learning. You know, if you haven't learned something in a while, take pause and go learn about something, read a book, do something that's gonna empower, it makes you better. And and I think, you know, one of the things that we really focus on is this code. I mean, it's, and you just said it, this, you didn't know about this, right? Even though it's been around for almost 40 years. Mm-hmm. Educate yourself. You know, it, it, all of this stuff is just another tool in a toolbox. Exactly. You know, but given the right time, it's a great, fantastic tool for the right client. It's a game changer, right? So. That, that's what I would say. It's just like, never stop learning. And, and that's, and I think that's, we can lose that. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you get busy, you just keep, you know, you do and Hey, an entrepreneur, I, I love the E-myth, right? It's like wash, rinse and repeat. The hardest yeah. thing to do is doing the same thing every day, all the time, the same way. That's what most entrepreneurs do because mm-hmm. in order to be successful, I mean, they eventually break the walls down, but that, that's a hard thing to do. But when you get into that cycle, sometimes you can't take yourself out of it yeah where do you stop yeah Yeah. and and i think that's we stop learning and man when you start to recognize hey man i haven't learned something new in a while and i'm not talking about new words your kids came home with and said what does that mean (laughs) but uh, yeah that that was a lit example (laughs) fire (laughs) but you know i mean something that's that you can bring to quality your life quality people around you and hopefully benefit to your business. Yeah. That's what I, what
1: I have a bonus question and this one's for Bree. Now, Van, you said that <laughs> you've worn a lot of different hats in your day. What has been your favorite hat and how do you relate it to an actual physical hat? Like what kind of hat is it? Oh man. Cowboy hat. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Grew up in Furland, yeah. right? Naturally. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I need.
2: Yeah. It. yeah. I consider myself a cowboy yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah. Sitting there
1: wearing the Idahoan <laughs> with your sports jacket, jeans, and boots. That makes yep. sense. Yeah. Awesome. I was gonna wear
2: my cowboy hat today, but was I was gonna good.
1: out you for being a Californian.
2: Oh. oh <laughs> see. See, fly on the wall comes in at the last minute. I moved here when I was nine. Thank uh-huh. you, Bree. Yeah. Appreciate that. I moved here when I was nine. I mm-hmm. still don't call myself a but Idahoan, you know, but that's fair. Lived here for almost well, what a forty years, right? A long time. Yeah, yeah. long time. Thank don't you. date yourself, but yeah, but yeah, it's true. I Central Valley. So,
0: well, ben we can't thank you enough for coming on our show today. I know this is going to give a huge value to our listeners here. And if there's any way that they want to reach out to you or learn more, how can they go about doing that?
2: You know the best way. Is, I mean, we're we're local. We're we're in Eagle, Idaho. Actually, happy to meet. We got a lot of a lot of clients here in the valley. We got a like I said, over two hundred advisors all over the country that represent our products. Um, but also too, I think the the websites eight thirty one bcom And we were talking about it earlier. Bree Bree was able to get that web domain for us, yeah. and we're very excited. And it's it's been really good for us. I mean, it's uh, people Google and we get people all over the country, really all over the world. But so 831b.com and, you know, Bree's our marketing person. She's done a great job. A lot of educational videos are there. Case studies are there. Yeah. You know, it's really tied to your industries. If you want to read a case study specifically to your industry, we have those available. And then, you know, just reach out to, through our website and reach for one of our team members. My, my email is van, V-A-N, at 831b.com. So if they want to email me directly, happy to. But yeah, I think that's the best start. I mean, again, it's, you got to start from learning, right? I mean, you you started learning, you know, yeah, you got to educate educate yourself, you know, and and I would use four or five different resources, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, again, like we beat up the local CPAs enough, but, you know, truthfully, they're busy. I mean, especially right now, right? Tax season. So to roll in on this, you know, it's, you're going to have to take responsibility for yourself. At the end of the day, we all know that, and that's just one of these things that you got to do.
1: Yeah, so. I think I found that CPAs to you is 401ks to me, so <laughs> we can commonly <laughs> yeah. relate to that.
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, li- for those listeners out there, if you're looking to take action today, like he said, and, and want to learn something more, head to 831b.com and check out some of uh, some of the videos that they have, some of the educational platforms that they have on there, and, and learn little a bit, little bit more. Yeah. yeah. So, guys, thanks, thanks again guys. for coming. Hey, thank you. Yep. And uh, hopefully we'll have you guys back soon. Sounds great. All right. Hey, everyone. We're the Turnkey Brothers, and thanks for tuning in with us today.
1: Guys, make sure to bump up our algorithm with those likes, subscribes, share it with somebody that you think would benefit from this episode.
0: And don't forget to follow us on your favorite social media platforms at Turnkey Brothers.
1: Till next time.